Thank you for listening to Overcomers Church International Weekly Message. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened as you hear the Word of God. I love the work of the Holy Spirit. I love what, what the Lord does amongst us. And so when we come back together in person, it's going to be better. It's going to be greater. I want to draw your attention to something here for, for a couple of moments. And um, I've got a few different things in my heart. I'm going to continue actually where, where I, I left off last week, which I was just talking about. Revelation, having things uh, revealed, having the curtain pulled back, and and having revelation come to you from the Spirit of God. And what I want to do is I want to uh, have us, um, I'll say quickened, but also have us stretched to where we can think bigger than how we're thinking. We can believe bigger than how we're believing, because the truth is, is that God believes bigger than how we're believing. And we need to get to a place to where we, we actually operate in the faith that God has. The Bible says that we have like precious faith and we have the faith of the Son of God. We have the capacity in us to believe like God believes. And I want to I wanna move towards that, not away from it. Amen. Before I get into that, I want to just share a couple other things that were stirring in my heart this morning. And this is about coming together, about being together. And I, I just think it's good to make us aware of things. And for those of you that know me, know that I'm, uh, I'm, pa- I'm passionate. That's probably a good word um, to put on it. And I'm, I'm willing, I'm the first one that is willing to stand on the front lines, uh, spiritually speaking, and say, I'll take a bullet. I will um, go against things that are being done that are not right. Um, I'm even willing, if the time was necessary, to, to practice civil disobedience. But I want to make something abundantly clear. I do not believe that time is right now. I don't believe that that time is now. There could come a time in our future, in our country, to where we have to practice civil disobedience. Because the deal is, is that there's a couple different perspectives you can look at in the Word. One is you go to Romans chapter 13. And Romans 13 uh, talks about honoring the governing authorities that are over us, that, that whole section of Scripture there. And I believe in that. I believe that that's right. But then you also see times in the Word, such as with uh, the, the early church as a whole, specifically, you know, Peter um, was involved in, in preaching and teaching Jesus, and they said you couldn't do it. And they said, they said uh, we're not really concerned about what you think is right because God's told us to do that, so we're going to do what's right. So they practice civil disobedience. You can find Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel. There are many examples of people that practice civil disobedience. And I don't believe that that time is now that we're living in, at least for my people here in Perryville. We're going to continue to stay in, in honor. And when I looked at the things that were going on, the writing is on the wall. You can believe it or not. It doesn't matter. I'll love you and I'll appreciate you whether you believe it or not. But the writing is on the wall. The, the evil that is in the world is working to take away our freedoms. I mean, you'd have to be completely blind or know nothing about history to not believe that. Because if you go back really from the beginning of time with Satan in the garden. He was working to, to take away the freedoms that they, that they have. And that same spirit that was at work then is at work today to try to take people's freedoms. And so we live in a country that's the most amazing country, as far as I know, in the history of the world. Or we have an incredible uh, uh, governing document called the Constitution of the United States. Um, and it wasn't perfect, and so they made some amendments to make it better. But the, the original document was an incredible document that God's given us. And there are evil people that want to take that away. And, and the, uh, the, the raging righteous anger on the inside of me says, let's stand up and fight. But the Holy Ghost would say, hold back because that's yet for another day. It's not for this day that we're in now. But I want to bring something out here in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, and I really feel like this was appropriate for me to share with you this morning, because God was really stirring my heart. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24, it says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, what's interesting is that we're, we're in a season right now where we're assembling together less. And you realize that, that there have been restrictions put on. And I, I think that probably some of the people have good hearts to try and help people. I think all of our local people here, I believe our president, I believe 
probably most of the governors, but not all of them, some of them do, uh, have good hearts and good intentions to try and help people and keep us free and clear from the coronavirus. But there is definitely, at least in the spirit, there is a coup to try and stop the church. But let me tell you something. You can't stop the church of the Lord Jesus. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But we need to look at the day we're in. And it says, as you see the day approaching, there's going to be an increase of coming together, an increase of encouragement. What we're experiencing right now is not an increase, it's a decrease. And so we need to keep, we need to be in prayer. We need to be vigilant. I think there, this is a point when we need to trust our leaders. We don't need to take our second amendment and take our guns and go out and storm the streets. And I'm not against protesting to say, hey, we need to lift the ban. Whatever it is you believe needs to happen at this time, but it needs to be civil, whatever it is. My opinion is we need to just continue to honor the people that are over us in leadership, bless them, encourage them and pray for them because I believe most of them really have a heart to see this thing turn around and see people free of sickness and, and see less people dying. And I'm not gonna get into all all of that, all the statistics, all the things you could look at. But I do want to point this out, that we're supposed to be increasing in our times of meeting together, not decreasing. So what this means is there's going to come a time with all the honor in our heart. Because see, you can, you can come to a point where you say, actually, we're not going to do that and still remain in honor in your heart. It's still be submitted in your heart because you can obey and, or excuse me, disobey, but still be submitted. And when it comes to people that are doing things that are trying to stop us from doing what God tells us to do, at some point, we just simply have to stand up and say, I love you. I appreciate you. I'm submitted to your authority, but God's authority is higher. Because what has happened is not only because some people could say, well, so I've even heard people say goofy things like this, like, oh, finally, the Sunday morning church is dying down and we're, we're all going to just go back to home churches. Look, you can't get in a home, what you can get in a service like this, like it normally is when we come here together. You can't get that. And you know what? You can't get here what you can get in a home. We need both of those things. We need to come together and meet in, in smaller groups where we can have that intimate fellowship with one another. It says in, a, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, it says that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, breaking of bread, fellowship, and prayers. They continued in those four things. Then great fear came upon all the people, and great signs and wonders were done through the apostles. And so they, but they continued in those four things, three out of those four things, I really believe you can do inside of a home. But one of those things, you know, there were on, only so many apostles then there's only so many uh, main church leaders now. And the, what causes the church to grow as a whole and to have understanding and experience that corporate anointing, those kind of things that comes from us gathering together in facilities together as a whole. And that is ordained and that is divine. And God has called us to do that. And so when we have things that are coming in and stopping us from doing that, at the very least, here's what I'm asking you to do. Pray that God gives our leaders wisdom. Pray that God gives me wisdom so we know when to do, when not to do, what to do, how to do it to where we stay in honor the very best we can. But at some point, we have to go back to the word and say, as you see the day approaching, there's going to be an increase of encouragement and an increase of meeting together. Look, the day is approaching. We're not getting further away from the day when the Lord is going to return. We're only getting closer. The day is only getting closer. We're supposed to increase in this. So this is where we as believers need to step back with a, with a level head, get rid of the conspiracy theories, amen, with a level head and just say, Father, what is our job? What are we supposed to do right now? And I can tell you, I know, thus saith the Lord, he said, I want you to honor the people that are over you. But know this, that there might come a day, there might come a day where if the government got so, so wicked, so rotten, so whatever, that we might just have to stand up and say, we honor you, but whether to obey God or obey you, we don't have any choice but to obey God, and we will not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And that might sound extreme, but folks, there's people all over the world that are meeting in secret because they are so committed to the idea of meeting together. And there's always going to be things that come at us that we need to have a level head. We need to have a scriptural view on these things. So this brings me into something else that I really believe is very important in the mix of all this. I'm just kind of shepherding you here for a moment. I hope that's okay with you all. I think these are some important things that we need to talk about. And I, and I, I want you, and this is with all of the love in my heart, but you know, sometimes when, you know, when God's placed, placed you as a 
father figure. Sometimes you just have to give some fatherly advice and wisdom. And we need to go back to what the scriptures say. And if you think about what Jesus was like on the earth, and then you look at how a lot of the church is approaching this coronavirus, I'm not saying that they're approaching it from an an evil standpoint, but they're not approaching it in faith. Viruses are not new. Viruses have been around for thousands of years. There's been different strands of all kinds of different viruses that have been around for a long time. What you didn't see Jesus say to his disciples, and these signs will follow them who believe. In my name, you'll cast out demons. You'll speak with new tongues. You'll take up serpents. If you drink any deadly thing, that shall by no means harm you. And when you lay hands on the sick, they will recover. Unless there's a pandemic, then all of what I just told you is completely null and void. You, you don't see Jesus saying that. You can't find that in the word. Amen. Come on now, somebody give me a shout amen through the camera so I can, I can hear you in the spirit that you're agreeing with me. Jesus did not give any stipulations like that in the word. He said, these signs will follow them that believe. And I know some people, they say, well, we just need to use wisdom. I agree, we need to use wisdom. But at some point, we, we can't even meet together because you can't do what they call social distancing and really do church properly. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you how ugly this thing has gotten. I'm not against the wisdom that's behind social distancing and things like that. I'm not against that. Let me just, let me just give you what I believe. It is inhuman, inhumane, non-human-like, to, at the very least, to not shake people's hands. That's not human. And as far as church culture, actually, if you want to go back to Bible church culture, they greeted each other with a holy kiss. I draw a line there. I, I greet my wife with a holy kiss. I don't really greet anybody else with, with a, a kiss and don't really look for anybody else to. But you know what is very normal for our culture here in America is that we hug each other. We put our arm around one each other. Uh, each other. We stand shoulder to shoulder and we worship God together. We lay hands on people and pray for them. We prophesy them over them. We anoint them. At some point, we have to say, you know what? We're going to be about the Father's business, and we're going to stay in honor the very best we can, but we are not going to disobey God. I I'm, I'm actually have this thing stirring in me as a shepherd, and I'm going, I have these hands, and, and I don't have people here, as God's called me, to lay hands on people like I really need to. Not only to just give, have physical touch and just love people, but to, to, to lay hands on them and release healing into their body. And I feel like I'm almost at a point where it's like, God, I need some people to lay hands on. Praise God. We need to get back to things being normal. So thank you for praying for me and praying with me and believing for wisdom and understanding to come to me and, and the ones that I go to for, for wisdom and for understanding because I don't want to move out of emotion. I want to move out of the wisdom of God. But I also don't want to stay stuck in fear because people are afraid. Folks, listen, this should be a wake-up call. If you have the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead living on the inside of you, you should use wisdom, but you also should use faith. I mean, I hear so many people, as soon as they hear this stuff, their response is, got to be in wisdom, got to use wisdom, got to use wisdom. Look, I'm not casting out wisdom, but I think what's happened is that we've cast, cast out faith, believing God, a simple trust in God's word with, uh, with faith. Like we've thrown faith out as we're, we're partaking of wisdom. And we should have both of them working together. Hopefully I'm saying that right. You shouldn't just have one or the other. It's wisdom actually to use faith. It's wisdom to believe God. And you say, well, I think we need to wear masks. Wear a mask then, but do it in faith. We need to wash our hands. Wash your hands, but do it in faith. Don't be enamored by the spirit of the world and the spirit of the age. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you, it will quicken your mortal body. You say, well, I just, I saw so-and-so die. And look, you can't go back and look at that stuff. I've had people die in my life too. I've laid hands on people and they didn't recover, but it doesn't change God's word. A better, a, a people that had a lesser covenant than we do, the old covenant people, Psalm 91, David wrote, he said, he who dwells in the secret place, secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. And you know, underneath of the shadow of the almighty is all of the protection It's all of the healing. 
It's all of the deliverance. It's all of everything you need. And if you read on down, it says, and no plague shall come nigh your dwelling. And I, look, I know there's people that could be watching this. You say, well, I, I got it. I got the, the coronavirus. There's no condemnation. I mean, we're all growing. We're all learning in this thing. But it doesn't mean we revert back to fear just because we're walking something out. We have to move forward. Because let me say this with... Uh, I don't want to, I'm not trying to prophesy anything negative, but actually I'm just going to tell you really what the Bible says. It's only as we pro- progress in the earth towards the, the end of the age, it's only going to get worse as far as what's happening in the world. It's not going to get better. That doesn't mean we don't believe for it to get better because if things are going to get worse, let them get worse. We're always going to believe for increase because the kingdom of God is always about increase. But there are things, the Bible says that there are things that are going to happen that it's not going to be good. So if we have a, 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 listen, by standards of many other plagues and things in the, in the past, plagues, viruses, this is very, 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 very low compared to a lot of things that we've seen in, in history in the past. It's, it's very low as far as the, how aggressive it is, as far as the death rate, all that stuff. And anybody in the Anybody within, you don't even need a medical profession to tell you that. You can just go and look at statistics from things like the Black, the black Plague and whatever. And I know we've got better understanding about good hygiene, those kind of things, those kind of things help. But here's my point, is that we're going to have worse things that come on the earth. How is the church going to handle that? How are you going to handle that? How are you going to respond to it? Are you going to respond in fear, but call it wisdom? Because see, there's a fine line between fear and wisdom. Sometimes people get into fear and they'll say, oh, I got to use wisdom. In all reality, they're just afraid of what will happen if they step out from their box and they do what's, what's right. They do what God's, God says. And they call it wisdom because the world calls it wisdom. But we're not supposed to operate uh, from the wisdom of the world. We're supposed to operate with the faith of God. And again, that doesn't mean you don't wash your hands. Every time I use the restroom, I wash my hands. I wash my hands sometimes in between when I go to the restroom because I, I just think it's, I like to be clean, <laughs> amen? But I don't, I don't do that because I'm afraid. I do that just because it's, it's wisdom. So there is some good wisdom with that stuff. But man, we have to stay in faith. We need to go back. We, this should spur us on to look at this and look at how we've responded. We should be able to look at this and go, God, am I really responding like Jesus did? Am I really saying what he says? Do I really think like he thinks? And this is actually leading into what I want to share with you just for a few minutes, which is, which is um, what I'm going off the heels of last week, which is I was just talking about revelation and eyes being opened up and there being, there being a curtain pulled back. And Paul prayed this in Ephesians chapter one. He said, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that he would give you a, a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. And so the revelation... Um, I forget how to say, it's close to apocalypse is what that word revelation means, but it means an unveiling. It means a revealing. It means full disclosure. And what I've come to find is that there, are, there is so much in the word of God. There's so much happening in the spirit, good and bad, but so much of what God has given us and deposited in us. I believe this is a message for our time, for you today, that there is so much that God has for you to understand to have revelation, knowledge come to you from the Spirit of God that only the Spirit of God can give. I believe that God has so much for you and I to unlock. We need to posture ourselves for God to reveal those things to us. And part of how you posture yourself for increase in in revelation knowledge is you first need to understand that you don't know everything. There's something in the human nature that makes us want to feel like we really know something. And if you don't believe me, just go ask somebody about something concerning their, their job or something that you know, they feel like they've got a handle on. They'll tell you everything. And oftentimes they'll tell you things they don't know just to make it look like they know a lot concerning that particular thing. You know how people are. You ask them directions. Man, people love to give directions. I don't know if you ever paid attention to that. If you go to somebody, almost anybody, hey, how do you get to whatever store? And they'll stop what they're doing and they'll give you the best detailed directions they possibly can. Why? Because there's something in us that wants to know. That's actually a good thing. But if we're not careful, we can get into thinking that we know things that we really don't know anything about. And can I just be so kind and so honest? 
but also just very blunt to say that the church thinks that it knows a lot more than what it really does. And you say, well, who do you, who do you think you are? You think you know everything? No, I don't. Actually, what I realize is the more I know, the less I know. The more my eyes are opened up to the things of the Spirit, I go, oh my, oh my goodness, I really don't know that much. But you know what? I knew more than I used to. Why? Because I got to a point to where I said, God, I see that there's more. When I read your word, I see that there's more. There's more for me to know. There's more for me to understand. There's more of you that I've not really grabbed a hold of yet. Lots more. And I'm asking you to bring revelation to me. God, pull back the curtains. I want full disclosure of what you have for me. And so I want to take you, and I'm going to read this from the Passion Translation. Let's look here at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I thought I had it marked here, but I, I guess I don't. 1 Corinthians chapter, and I always say chapter 3, but it's actually chapter 2. And it says, and let's look here. I want to read this again in the Passion Translation. And I'm not going to read the whole thing because this whole passage, because it would just take too long, but I love this. And in context, this is saying that Paul was saying that he, and, and when he says that we, he's speaking of the other apostles of that time, he said that we come to you not with the wisdom of man, but from wisdom that comes from God. And the question is, where do they get this wisdom that comes from God? And he was talking in context, and he was talking about uh, the systems of this world, the religious systems of this world are coming to naught, and it's because of the revelation of the gospel that's coming forward that's going to crush the religious systems of the day. Praise God, that's strong language. And so where did they get this revelation from? They got it from the scriptures, but it was the Spirit of God revealing it to them personally. I mean, we serve a personal God that wants to reveal things to us personally. And look here in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And it says, For we did not receive the Spirit of this world system, but the Spirit of God, so that we might come to understand and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. And we articulate these realities with the words imparted to us by the Spirit and not with, the words, with words taught by human wisdom. We join together Spirit-revealed truths with Spirit-revealed words. Someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelation, revelations of God's Spirit. For they make no sense to him. He can't understand the revelations of the Spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the Spirit. Now, this is really, this is really a profound statement right here. And, and I've experienced this a lot. And I'm sure older people, older than me in the Lord, I can remember being around people that and I was younger and probably still true to this day for people that are further along than me. You always got people further along than you. Don't forget that. I don't care who you are. There's always people that know more than what you do. But I could remember being, when I was younger, being around people, and I'd say some of the squirreliest things, and I know that they would look at me like, what is wrong with you? And I would hear them say things, and I would think, I just don't understand that. That doesn't make any sense to me. That's because what they were saying was coming from revelation that God had illuminated to them, and it was personal. Now, God doesn't, he's, listen, if you ever have somebody that come and they say, God just gave me this tremendous revelation, and you can't back it up in the, in the word, you can write Ichabod over that, which means the glory has departed. This is where weird stuff comes up, uh, you know, happens, and people come up with, with, I'll use the word weird, which is tied to witchcraft. Weird things that bring about weird religious ideas is because they had a visitation, they had something go on, and somebody told them something, and it did not line up with the Word of God. I don't want to get into calling any, any particular denominational names. I wouldn't do that. I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. But a lot of the things that people get into, and they get off into these strange things, and they, they worship uh, you know, idols and, and, you know, they, they have these angelic experience. It is an angel, but it's a demonic angel. It's not the spirit of God. And how do you tell the difference? It's always, you go back to the word and you hear what the word says. 
There was a, a, uh, a man named Joseph Smith, and I don't mind calling this one out. There was a man named Joseph Smith. I don't know how many years ago, a couple hundred years ago, 500 years ago, whatever. And he claimed that he had this experience from an angel, and I believe he actually did. But again, it was a demonic angel. And he heard this, this angel give him all of this revelation. And from that is now the, the Mormon church, the church of the Jesus Christ of, the, of Latter-day Saints or whatever they call it, the same thing, the Mormons. And if you get in and look at what the Mormons believe, there are however many millions of people associated with that, that they have led them into a completely false religion. They actually believe that Satan and Jesus were brothers. Now, where'd they get that from? You can't find that in the Bible, folks. So my point with all this is that everything that the Spirit will reveal to you always comes back to what the Word says. But... When it comes to reading the word of God, it is impossible. This is so important, especially for smart people. I have an advantage over smart people. And that is that I have to trust God for revelation. I, don't, I can't even understand when I'm reading. I got, when I read it, I, got, I go, God, you got to help me because I'm not smart enough to understand this. And so smart people in particular, they could read their textbooks. They could read all kinds of things, and they just they get it. I'm one of those people when I read something, i got to read it like four or five times to have any clue what it's talking about. And, but when it comes to the Bible, you can read it a thousand times in your own understanding and not understand what it means. You can, you can, you can actually know every word that it's saying, but yet you can't make sense of their overall thing, what it's saying. However, when the spirit of God breathes on what you're reading and revelation comes to you, that's when illumination comes and that's what gives you power in your life. That's what gives you victory in your life. We have a spirit covenant with a, with a spiritual God who's involved with a realm that created everything that we can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel that is the, that is the higher and greater and governing realm of this realm that we live in right now. The spiritual realm is higher than this realm that we live in right now. And that realm is something that God wants to bring us to to reveal things to us to help us understand not only the day that we're living in, but how things work concerning spiritual matters, how things work in the spirit. And so what I want to do is I just, I, I want to encourage people to have their, their, their heart postured to where they could say, you know what? I just don't know everything. See, whenever somebody comes in and, and they spout off all of the stuff that they do know, but they don't ever say, you know, there's things that I, I don't understand that I'm believing for God to show me. When someone just wants to spot off all of what they do know, I think, where'd they get all of what they do know? Did they really get it from God, or is it head knowledge? Is it man's wisdom? But when you find somebody who's postured them, themselves in humility to say, God, there's a lot that I don't know, and I want you to reveal, that, that is a good place to be. Now, when God showed you something, be confident in what God showed you. Be strong in what God showed you. Put faith in what God showed you. But still keep yourself at a place to where there is much that can be revealed to you. Now listen to this. Let me finish the rest of this, this uh, verse here, or this chapter here. And then in verse 15, 1 Corinthians 2 and 15, it says, Those who live in the Spirit are able to carefully evaluate all things, and they are subject to the scrutiny of no one but God. For who has ever intimately known the mind of the Lord Yahweh well enough to be his counselor? And then it gives the answer. It says, Christ has... Now listen to this. This is where I want to get to here for just a couple moments. It says Christ has, and we possess Christ's perceptions, preceptions, perceptions. I read it right the first time. We possess Christ's perceptions. You know what it says in, in pretty much any other translation? It says that we have the mind of Christ. Wow. You tie all of this together. What this is saying, it's not necessarily saying that you know everything, because by a show of hands, who doesn't know everything? Every hand should go up. However, I do believe that in your spirit, man, your spirit does know all things. There's scripture verses that say that. I believe that. But what we want is we want what is inside of our spirit, man, to come out to where we actually have revelation in our soulish realm, our mind, will, and emotions experience the knowledge of God that comes from the inside, and listen to this, to where the mind of Christ, because it says that we have the mind of Christ, to where the mind of Christ on the inside manifests on the outside. 
Because see, we think like God on the inside, but what we need to do is we need to think like God on, in, our, in our soulless realm, in our mind, will, and emotions. Our mind needs to be transformed to where we begin to think like God thinks. I'm hoping that this is, you're, you're catching this, that you're getting this. It's not just about having knowledge about God or even just knowledge that comes from him personally, although both of those things are important. But I'm talking about having knowledge that comes from God to where you think like God thinks. And we should because it says that we have the mind of Christ. And sometimes even you have to hear that and you got to pull back all of the things that you've heard about having the mind of Christ and go back and say, what is it saying in context? Context is always king. What is it saying in context in this passage of scripture? In context, it's not talking about when you go to take a test <laughs> that you pray and you go, whoa, I crammed last night, but I got the mind of Christ. And now listen, if you're in school, that's probably not cramming. That's not a good thing to do. Study hard, kids. But when it comes to taking the test to pray beforehand, that's a good thing to do. But that's not what it's talking about. What this is saying is that there are things, there's a wisdom of this world, but there is a wisdom that comes from God. There's an understanding, there's a revelation. There, is, there are things to be revealed, to be opened up that only come from God. And you can understand them. Why? Because you have the mind of Christ. For who has ever understand, understood the mind of Yahweh? Who's ever understood the mind of God? Christ has, and you and I have the mind of Christ. Which means what? Do we automatically have his knowledge? No. But we do have within us the ability to know what God knows, to see what God sees, and to hear what God hears. Wow. We have Christ's mind. And you know what that means? The same level that Jesus operated in on the earth, we can operate in that same level here on the earth. Jesus didn't come and do miracles as God. Jesus came and did miracles as a man who was rightly related to God. Whoa. That's powerful. Not to get off track, but this is why I teach on righteousness. The righteousness that comes from God and not our own righteousness. Jesus was rightly related to God, which caused him to do the miracles he did as a man. Not as God, but as a man working with God inside of him. Jesus was a man. Christ was God. Jesus was the human side. Christ was the deity side. Jesus, the man did miracles because of Christ on the inside of him, because of the God on the inside of him. You know how we do the miracles like Jesus did? We first of all recognize that we are rightly related to him through faith in him. That's the foundation. Then we can do the miracles that God did, that Jesus did, that God did through Jesus. Hallelujah. But you know what I've come to find is that we just don't think like God. We need to think like God. And this isn't just having God's knowledge. This is to where we actually think like he thinks. This is one of the things that I've, I've meditated on and I've thought, I don't, I don't know exactly how to say this other than just to keep saying it until it just sinks deep in us. Because see, you can have, and here was an analogy that I thought was a pretty good analogy. You could have say a lawyer, and you could have a lawyer that is in the state of Missouri, and they could come to you and they could sit and they could tell you all the statutes, all the, all the codes, all of the everything that's in the state of Missouri. They could know all of that. They could give you all of that stuff and you could go and you could memorize every one of those laws, every one of those statutes, all of that. You could memorize all of it. But that doesn't mean you think like that lawyer thinks. All that would mean is that you memorize all the same stuff that the lawyer has told you. This is why you can have people that they'll know the Bible frontward and backwards, inside and out, but yet they live completely powerless lives. Why? Because they don't think like God thinks. They, they really don't know revelation, have knowledge of the revelation that God has. 
Folks, there's a, there's a total difference of just having knowledge of something, but having working knowledge, working revelation. And when it becomes revelation and it's, and it's alive on the inside of us, that's when we can begin to think like God thinks. And when we think like God thinks, we'll start to approach things differently. People, and I'm not like this with everything. I, I'm, I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm not perfect, but there are certain things that I basically, I just think like God thinks. I know some people could say, that's just so haughty. You're just so arrogant. No, no, no. I'm very confident. I'm very confident in what God has shown me. And I choose to think like God thinks. This is why, and I don't, personally, sometimes I just don't even talk to people about healing. It's easier for me just to preach it and people can just believe it or not. But I mean, people don't think like God thinks when it comes to healing. You know how God, you know how God thinks about healing? He thinks, and what he knows is that he's already provided healing through the atoning work of Jesus. And so for Christians, really anybody, but Christians to be walking around and saying things that are opposite, because see, you, th- you will say what you really think. It's no condemnation, but it, you, what you say can be a meter as to what you really believe and how you really think and who you're thinking like. Because when the coronavirus comes out, and you go, oh, man, and you immediately go, start going like that, you're not thinking like God thinks. He says, no plague shall come nigh your dwelling. By the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. By the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. You can drink any deadly thing, and it shall by no means harm you. Not to get gross or anything, but what happens a lot is that people get spittle from a, who carry a virus, and if we would be honest with Scripture, that spittle could actually be ingested in us. We could drink it, if you will, and it shouldn't harm us at all. Why? Because we think like God thinks. We believe like God believes. Let me show you this a little bit more from the Scriptures. Hopefully, I haven't lost you all. Thank you, Jesus. Look at here. I know I haven't lost you. You're faith people. You're with me in this. We're growing in this together. And look, I've got areas, and Liz will be the first person to tell me when I'm not thinking like God. She'll say, you're just not thinking right. And that means you're not thinking like God thinks. There's areas where I'm growing in this. There's areas that I'm, I need to increase in this. But we should come to a place in our life to where we go, I'm not going to think like a mere man anymore. I'm not going to think with the wisdom of this world and of this age. I'm going to start to think like God. I mean, if you think about this, what's going to happen when the world gets struck with something like the bubonic plague, something that's that serious? What are you going to do when that comes? Are you going to go and hide away in a cave for six months so that you don't get attacked by it? Are you going to stand? Are you going to be one of the ones that goes and lays hands on the numbers of people that have it? And say, rise up in Jesus' name, because the power that's on the inside of me is greater than what's attacking you. What camp are you going to fall in? What side are you going to fall in? Are you going to think like the world? Or are you going to think like God thinks? Come on now. A lot of you need to hear this concerning your finances. What comes out of your mouth, you know, what, you know how you think because of what comes out of your mouth. When you got a bill, we, live in, we all live in the real world. We all get bills. We all have things come to us that we go, what, what am I going to do with this? How am I going to pay for this? But our immediate response should be, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm blessed beyond measure. As as a matter of fact, I'm so blessed that I'm going to take care of my needs and I'm going to bless other people in the process. If you can say things like that and you can think things like that and believe things like that, you think like God thinks. But if you go, oh, Jesus, what am I going to do with this bill? How am I going to, God, I need to go get another job. I need, and there could be some practical things that God would tell you to do. I'm not saying that. But if you get into worry and fear and you fret and you, you stay up late, concerned about it and get up early and you, you're wringing your hands, you're not thinking like God thinks. God doesn't get wor- worried and concerned about that stuff. Let me take you to this last verse and then I'm going to quit here. Second Peter chapter one. I love this. Second Peter chapter one. Everybody say, I choose You can say it here, the seven people that are in here. I choose 
And you say it at home one more time. I choose to think like God thinks. Amen. Listen here in 2 Peter chapter 1. It says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I don't want to get off track here, but let me just say, whose righteousness is it? It's God's righteousness. It's not your righteousness. It's not through your working. It's through what God has given to you. Amen. Listen here in verse 2. It says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace are multiplied to you through what? It's through knowledge. And I propose to you that it's not knowledge about God, but it's the ability to think like God. It's knowledge that comes from him. The word of means of, out of, and from the origin of. So it's knowledge that comes from God, but it's also the ability to think like God. Because we just read in 2 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that we have the mind of Christ. And what is that mind? Again, it's, it's God's ability to think like he thinks. And in verse 3, it says, As his divine power has given us, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, if we were to just stop right there and take this verse right there, it would, and really believe it, I mean really believe it, just believe what the word says, it would ruin 90% of the doctrine of the body of Christ. Because it says that he has given to us. You know what has mean? It's past tense. Done. It's already over. It's finished. It's complete. Now, there are things that God's doing in the earth. I'm not saying that. There are ways that he's moving, things that his spirit is saying. But as far as our blessing and our covenant rights that we have with him, it's a done deal. God's already given everything to us. And it says, that he's given us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. If you believe that right there, that right there should stick a nail in the coffin with all of the, all of the wrong doctrine. It says, God wants me to have the sickness, or he might want me to have the sickness. This is from God. I'm going through this trial. God sent this trial. He wants me to have it. He allowed me to have it. It would totally eliminate all that. You know why? Because he's already given to us all things, all things, all things, all things that pertain to life, not death. Sickness is a form of death, folks. Sickness does not belong to you. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Amen. But listen to this. It says, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. It's not just knowledge of him, but it's a knowledge that comes out of him because of means of, out of, or from the origin of. So it's the knowledge that originates from God. It's not just information, but it's how we think. It's how we process things. And the proof is in the pudding because you can, you can take 10 people over here and 10 people over here you can give them all the same problems, but the ones that think like God will have a drastically different outcome from the same problem as the 10 who don't think like God. There are so many people, there's people listening to this right now, that when it comes to finances, you think like a poor person. You think like a broke person. You think like somebody who will never get past your current situation, your current problem. And I've heard, if I've heard maybe one thing, but if I've heard one thing that people have said against me and about finances, you're one of those prosperity preachers. And you know what I say? Thank you. Bless you. I received that. You know why? God's a prosperous God. You know, we were, we were watching this movie last night. Uh, Call of the Wild, is that what it's called, Call of the Wild? It's a great movie, man, I really enjoyed it. But he goes, to, he gets to this place where he gets to the river and he finds all of these gold nuggets in the river. And it was, it was pretty cool. And before he was getting ready to leave that place, he had all kinds of gold nuggets. 
And he, and he takes a whole pan of it and throws it back in the water. And he pulls out of his pocket and he goes, I've got grocery money for the rest of my life. That's all a man really needs. And I was thinking, that's, that's how a lot of Christians think. Me, my four, no more. Prosperity isn't about you. It's about other people. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about God taking the increase that's on him because he thinks in terms of increase and you having that same mind to where you bring increase in your life and you can bring increase to the kingdom. You know the people that fund the gospel the most are the ones that have the most prosperous mentality. I don't have all the money in the world, but I can tell you now, I'm a radical giver. Liz and I live to give. My biggest, this might, some of you might go, well, I don't know if I believe that. You believe whatever you want to believe. The biggest dilemma that I have concerning money is I don't have enough to give. I'm going, God, how can I have more money come to me so I can give more? It doesn't mean we shouldn't have our needs met. Praise God, we just, we got a, a, a new vehicle. We felt impressed that it was time, and we got a new vehicle, and it's a nice vehicle because God likes his kids, and he likes his kids to have nice stuff. No problem with that. But that vehicle is going to perish when I perish, or, yeah, whatever. Anyways, it's not going to go into eternity is my point. But you know what goes into eternity? Souls, kingdom principles, kingdom ideas, faith, hope, and love. I'm going to sow into those things. That's what's going to last. But how can you sow a lot of money if you don't have a lot of money? Well, I guess if God just wants me to have a lot. I heard a guy say one time, if the Lord wants me to be blessed, he's got a cattle on a thousand hills and he can just cut one loose my way anytime that he wants. And I thought, that's, that's just stupid. That's, that's stupid. That is, not, that is thinking like a poor person. Stop thinking like a poor person. Start thinking like a wealthy person. Because if you do that, you'll start stewarding your money better. And when you steward your money better, you'll have increase. And then when you steward that better, you'll have more increase. And when you steward that better, you'll have more increase. And more will come to you. And more will come to you. I can just see the, 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 the YouTube video clip that somebody takes of this. And they've got this music in the background with me with flashy glasses on going, here's this prosperity preacher. More will come to you. More will come to you. You know how they do the auto-tuning or whatever? It just all flashed right before my eyes. And you know what? Actually, maybe I ought to make my own video like that. Auto-tune myself. That would be awesome. Praise God. Folks, we got to think different. We need to think like God thinks. You realize that he... You understand that Satan did not come up with the idea of putting uh, gold in the streets in heaven. You understand that wasn't Satan's idea. That was God's idea. God, as far as what we know, we're just going from what the Bible says, of course, which is true. The gate in heaven, which I would imagine is pretty big. I mean, I've seen some big gates on some fancy places, and no place as fancy as heaven I think when we think about a gate, we think about, you know, a couple little double doors or whatever. I think the gate in heaven is probably as big as a whole city. It says that that one gate was fashioned out of one solid pearl. Now, I don't even understand that, but I'm telling you now, that was a pretty big clam. <laughs> Praise God. That would have been, right? The come, pearls come from clams. Is that right? Yeah. That would have been a pretty big, and that would have been a really long time for that thing to be made. But anyways, whatever. But God, God believes that wealth is right. He believes it. The devil doesn't believe it's right. Man, this needs, to be, this needs to be a total shift. And how many things do we think in our life that don't line up with how God thinks? And the only way we can start to, be, to begin to think like God thinks is we need to go back to the secret place and we need to spend time with him. Let me read this last verse just in closing. And this is Psalm chapter 25. I love this in verse 14. Listen, this is the Passion Translation. It says, there's a private place reserved for the lovers of God. Listen now, for they sit near him and receive the revelation secrets of his promises. You know why whenever you, man or woman of God, man or woman of faith, why whenever you talk about what God's done and people look at you like you have two heads, is I know that all too well because I've been doing it for years, is because you've been in the secret place and God's been revealing his covenant promises to you. Understand this, a bit of wisdom here. Don't cast your pearls before swine. A lot of people don't, they don't, they're not going to believe like you're going to believe. You love them, you bless them, you honor them, but you keep believing like God says. You think like God thinks. But this is a great promise. It says there's a private place reserved for the lovers of God. I think the King James and New King James say, for those who fear God. 
And there's a great, there needs to become a great reverence back in the body of Christ, a reverence, a holy fear for God and of God. It says where they sit near to him and receive the revelation secrets of his promises. Amen. I'm just gonna pray for you and bless you. If you need to think more like God thinks, man, I wish we were, see, this is one of those things where this, I would have an altar call right here. And I would guarantee you that almost every single person would get up out of their seats and they would say, I wanna think like God thinks. And I'd pray and believe and lay my hands on you, probably anoint you with oil and say, you are gonna think like God thinks and activate faith. So you know what? Just pretend that you're here because there's no distance in the spirit. You don't have to pretend about what the Holy Ghost is doing in your heart. That's real. And so you just receive this as I pray for you. Just lift up your hands. Not if you're driving down the road, keep your hands on the wheel, amen. Lift your heart up towards the Lord. But if you're at home, just lift your hands up to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And just say this with me. Jesus, I need and I want to think like you think. I want to believe like you believe because I want to accomplish what you want me to accomplish. I believe that you are more than enough and you are greater than every problem and issue that I will ever face. And I refuse to think wrong thoughts anymore because I have the mind of Christ. I have the ability in me to think right thoughts and to think your ways. And I'm not going to think poverty anymore. I'm not going to think sickness anymore. I'm not going to think death anymore on any level because you take no pleasure in it. But you delight in the prosperity of your servants. And Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for everybody that's listening. I pronounce blessing over them in Jesus' mighty name. That, that they prosper as their soul prospers, that they prosper in every single area of their life as their soul prospers, as their soul prospers, as their mind, their will, and their emotions come in alignment with the mind of Christ, with the knowledge of God, with the will of God, that they would increase in the knowledge of God and the will of God. They would increase in the knowledge of God and the will of God, that they would increase in that. And as they do, as their mind, as their soul prospers, that they would increase and be in good health. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Hallelujah. Bless you. Love you. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being a part. Things are going to get back to normal soon. I believe it. In the name of Jesus, we'll let you know more info about that in the days to come. Bless you. Thank you for listening to the weekly message. To find out more about Overcomers Church International and to hear more messages like this one, please visit our website at ociperryville.com.